Hey guys, if you're interested in checking out a video version of the show, please visit the Low Key Geek channel on YouTube. There you can not only catch the video version of the podcast, but you can also check out my other projects and short form video that I produce. You can find a link in the description. Otherwise, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. What's up, everybody? Good morning. It is the morning after pod spoiler podcast. I am your host, Renee, and we are here back again to talk about the book of Boba Fett. But I, at least I think some of you still want to talk about it. Who knew that episode three would be the divisive episode for this series? I mean, the amount of backlash this show has gotten because of what transpired in episode three it's amazing but before i get into all that if you are new to the channel and you are seeing this video for the first time thank you for checking it out again this is the morning after spoiler podcast show and basically i uh review recap and talk about the latest hit show episode right now it's the book of boba fett i will also be doing one for peacemaker and you know i'll probably do some for some of the marvel shows and all this kind of stuff like that and this always airs the morning after the day the episode drops so thank you for tuning in if you like what you see and you want to see more do be sure to check out the the channel hit that like button hit that subscribe uh you could also find these episodes in audio format on your podcast platform of choice like Spotify or Apple Podcasts, just go to the Low Key Geek Podcast channel there. And all the links for all this beautiful stuff can all be found in the description of this episode. Uh, and for those of you who are returning, welcome back. Glad to have these discussions with you. But yeah, before I get into this episode, I have to talk about all the backlash and the Twitter noise and all that kind of stuff like that. I mean, watching that episode... I knew that it was going to trigger some people, for sure. Um, I am always one who gives honest opinions about what I see in the episodes, and I've also been pretty vocal about my um, uh, problems with some of the CG, some of the special effects. I didn't mind so much the gang, the, the kid gang there, the cyberpunk gang, uh, but I saw people calling them the Power Rangers and, you know, all these, like, funny nicknames and all that kind of stuff like that i mean who doesn't love boba and the gang i mean come on it's the the latest hit in tatooine you could hear their latest album uh uh bang boba and the gang bang hitting the streets there it's the number one album selling but i get it i get why this bothers some people but now everyone seems to be, well, not everyone, but a good amount of people have been turning their backs on the show. They're saying that Star Wars and Disney has ruined Boba Fett for me. Okay, that's fair. I can understand some of that stuff. Um, but it's funny how we get so attached to a character, especially one we don't know anything about, right? The one thing that really, really made me laugh out loud today. I read this this morning. It was an article that was published on The Guardian. And basically, its headline is, Boba Fett is dead. 
how Disney Plus ruined Star Wars' coolest character. And it goes on to pretty much mirror a lot of the sentiments that the Twitterverse and the internet has been saying, like, you know, he doesn't seem that badass anymore. He's very soft and he has a heart of gold. He's not as ruthless as he used to be. Um, not even as ruthless as he kind of was when he reappeared in The Mandalorian. Um, but let's remember some things about this character, all right? This character first appeared in cartoon format on uh, the Star Wars Holiday Special. Now, if you were lucky enough to be uh, where in the place where they had this Star Wars parade, I believe it was back in George Lucas's hometown or something like that. But they had a special parade, and that's when the costume of Boba Fett actually first appeared. He was marching along with Darth Vader. You could see all this stuff. Um, Disney Plus actually has a, a really cool short uh, episode um, uh, behind the mask or something like that. It's like it's like a nice little history of Boba Fett and all that. But cool looking character because of the costume, because of the armor and all that stuff like that. Then we saw him in cartoon format. He seemed pretty cool. You know, riding that weird creature and, and all that stuff like that. But then he really made his first appearance in Empire Strikes Back. Where, mind you, he had so little screen time and only four lines of dialogue. Not extensive dialogue either. All we know is that he was a bounty hunter that was put forth by Darth Vader. There's a lineup of bounty hunters because he wanted to find the Millennium Falcon and Han Solo and Luke Skywalker and all that stuff like that. But Boba was also working for Jabba. That was who his main employer was. And there was a major bounty on Han Solo's head. If you watch New Hope in uh, the extended version or the special edition or whatever, the blasphemy that George Lucas decided to like, you know, re-edit and all that stuff like that, you see Boba with Jabba in one of the scenes in the hangars there in front of the Millennium Falcon. Again, doesn't say a lick of dialogue. He just stares into the screen as always, you know, it's like, hey, remember me? I'm cool. So you have all that. And then he appears in Return of the Jedi, which I thought he was asked out really quickly. You know, he was there hanging out on the barge. You know, he was also in Jabba's palace. And again, if you're watching the specialized bastardization of the, the movie, you see him flirting with some alien chicks. You know, hey, what's up, baby? You know, here's my number. Call me later. All that stuff like that. And then when Luke is doing his thing, he, you see him with his jetpack for the first time. He got his cool rope, you know, weapon. Got you know, freaking uh, Luke all tied up. Freaking Han Solo's blind. He's like Boba Fett, Boba Fett, where? And then knocks him into the Sarlacc pit. And then that was all, right? So really, how badass was he? If it was so easy for him to get asked out in the first place. But I think us as uh, Star Wars community, a lot of us took it upon ourselves to call this dude a badass character, right? And, uh, and everything I'm saying here is my own opinion. I'm sure everyone has their own reasons. But the reason why he's so badass is because he's this mysterious guy that no one knows anything about. So in our minds, we started formulating our own little backstories and all this kind of stuff and oh the possibilities and of course when we have our action figures we're making our own storylines and our own action adventure scenes and all that shit right 
And then, you know, later on, of course, a lot of stuff that we got were in the books and the comics. You know, a lot of it is not canon anymore, right? But it still explored some of what Boba used to do when he was full-on bounty hunter and all that. And basically, he is a hunter. That's what his thing is. Like, he's given a task, he hunts it down, completes the task, collects the money. On to the next thing, right? He is a hitman for hire. But that's all really, really, we, we know him as. So now here is the opportunity for Lucas, you know, film, Star Wars, Filoni, Favreau, Disney, to finally fill in more about this character and give us a real true feeling about what this character is. They're fleshing it out for us on a week-to-week basis. And this is a character that is already way past all the stuff that we saw in Mavs, right? He was in the Sarlacc pit for presumably maybe four years, five years. The armor, because it's Beskar armor, helped maintain him and, and saved him from all the acidity. That's why he was able to survive. You know, he found his way out, got taken in by the Tusken Raiders. You know, again, you, you're watching this series, you're seeing it unfold in front of you. And one thing in particular about this episode is that it gives us more about his motivations now. Fennec, what I love about her character is that she's always the voice of reason. And I also do feel like she plays uh, uh, the voice of the audience. As if somehow they knew these were a lot of things that we were going to say about Boba. And I'll get more into that when I talk about the episode. But is it our fault? Or no, actually, is it Disney's fault and Favreau and Filoni for ruining this character that we all hyped up to be as this super badass dude? No. In essence, it's kind of our own fault. Because we put so much emphasis on this mysterious character... And now when we're not getting what we thought we were going to get, now we're poo-pooing on it, the whole thing. Now we're shitting on it, right? And now we're like, now people like the article I just showed you. And I'll show it to you again. Boba Fett is dead. You ruined my character. You killed Boba Fett. How dare you? Why? I have... 50 million Boba Fett figures and posters and I have a room in the bathroom dedicated to Boba Fett and now I can't take a shit without thinking that this dude is soft. Well, I hope your shit is soft because it sucks if it's too hard. But yeah, it's not their fault. We should allow them the opportunity to tell us a story their story, their version of this Boba Fett that they want to tell. And if we like it, we like it. And if we don't, then we don't. Fair. It's so fair. But they didn't ruin the character. You know, I think we, those who are butthurt about the whole thing, are just bitching because we put so much on this dude. We put him on this pedestal. And now he's not turning out to be who we thought he was, right? I personally still think he's badass. But you could definitely tell that now, after all the events and everything that he's gone through, 
He's now changing his way of life. He's looking for something more. And now he wants to be this uh, kind of leader, this crime boss. He wants to form a family because, again, it, it's going to be revealed a lot of his motives in this episode as to why this is so important for him. And I'm buying it. I'm in for it. I'm in for the ride. I like it. And then there are people who are complaining about the biker gang. You know, it doesn't feel Star Wars. Well, yeah. I can understand that, but I think it's more... It doesn't feel like tattooing. Because we're so used to tattooing being all grungy and old-looking and kind of shady, right? So to see these bright-colored bikes in this world, right, in this city, these new characters with these modifications and all of these, like, you know, robotics and cybernetics and all that stuff like that, this doesn't feel like it belongs in Star Wars. But go back to the prequels, and we saw a lot of this stuff in the prequels. And I know a lot of people, like, you know, are divisive on the prequels, too. But I've learned to appreciate the prequels for what they were, story-wise. You know, acting choices, you know, dialogue and all that kind of stuff like that, I, I would laugh at, of course. But when you really dive deep into, at least just on a story level, I appreciate it. But you look at everything there, I mean, how do we not know? That these people probably came from Coruscant. Or, you know, they, they've jumped planet to planet. Maybe they stole these bikes from other people. Visitors, what have you. We don't know. They're a gang, right? So, I am giving it benefit of the doubt. I'm still enjoying the series. But also, I was never really a huge Boba Fett fan. I thought it was cool. And I, too, said, oh, this dude's badass because look at it. Awesome armor. We don't know much about what a Mandalorian is at the time growing up. You know, he has this rocket pack and, you know, with a missile that fires. We couldn't get the toy that had the missile that fired, but we know that's a missile and it fires. I didn't even know about the knee missiles until we I saw it happen in the Mandalorian. And then when I saw some of the backstory about it, that was always supposed to be there. But we never saw it like, really happen before, right? So I always thought he was cool, but I was never such a diehard Boba Fett fan. But I know there are a lot of you out there. And I do see it split in the middle. There are a lot of people who do who are enjoying this, these, this show. And there's a lot of people, especially Chris Edwards of The Guardian, who think that Boba Fett, the way he knows it, is dead. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for your loss. You know, but for me, it is what it is, and I'm still liking it. So I want to know, before I start anything, if you're watching this video, if you're listening... How are you liking this series? Are you still enjoying it? Has Boba Fett been ruined for you? Is it things that, you know, you didn't expect, but you know what? You don't mind it. You're actually liking it. I want to know honest opinions, honest thoughts, and all that. Because I am still liking it. But I am still critical of the things that happened that I find weird 
and out of place, I'm still going to be critical and I'm still going to call things out. But for the most part, I am still enjoying this series. You know, I feel, you know, my sincere sorries for those of you who haven't been enjoying it and who maybe a lot of people have dropped off. I read another article today that's saying the viewership numbers for the series has dropped dramatically. You know, so this might be um, the first real failure of the Star Wars television series, you know. And we'll see what happens. Look, I think, and I'll, I'm going to start getting into my thoughts on this episode now. I think this episode really helps clarify a lot of things. And, you know, understanding more of what his motives are, why he's the way he is, you get to understand it a little bit more now. And it all makes sense now when you... Th- and combine it with the last three episodes that we got. Um, you see why him and Fennec work so well together. Um, and then you really get a sense of, okay, this is probably what we're going to be expecting to get in the last two episodes. Because there's only two episodes left. Only two episodes remaining. Um, but I think now we're set up in a way that there's going to be some cool, interesting stuff happening. And I'm really, really looking forward to it. Um, this episode, I believe, was like 48 minutes. Um, so definitely longer than the last one, but not as long as the episode two. Um, but I have a strong feeling that the next two episodes are going to be long episodes because there's going to be a lot of stuff that they're going to have to cover. Or maybe they won't because this could be just a season one thing or... This could be a prelude to Mando Season 3. And I'll explain why I feel that way as I dive into the episode. So let's go into spoiler territory right now. So pop that sign up and you have been warned. Spoiler time. Watch out. I don't want to hear you guys complaining. You're talking about spoilers now. You know what the show is, if you're tuning in. Alright, so let's get into it. Episode starts off. Let me pull up my pictures here to visualize. And guess what? Back to tank time! Woo! You know what that means. More flashbacks! Hooray! I know this is the one thing that a lot of you have been loving about this show. It's all the flashbacks. Um, I don't mind it because, like I said, it's giving us a chance to really understand what Boba has been up to from the time he is, gets out of the Sarlacc pit to the time we see him in Mandalorian, right? So, back to Tank, we find out that he has definitely had the plan to hit up Jabba's palace for a little bit. Because we see him like kind of like sneak in there, uh, getting a lay of the land and all that. Because we also find out that it's in Jabba's palace where they're holding his ship, the infamous Slave One. And I know they're not calling it Slave One anymore, but that's how I grew up knowing it. So I'm gonna still call it Slave One. All right. 
But that's where they're keeping it. So he is just checking out. But there's way too many guards, right? So he's like, all right, I gotta over. I gotta think this a little bit more. So let's call it a night. He's talking to his little bantha dude, and I love now how we're getting a lot of bantha love. You know, they're at the campfire. He's she's he's making sure that she eats and all that. And the bantha seems so happy because for 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 most of this show so far, they've been killing banthas left and right. I think the running count I have so far is like five or six. We saw banthas getting shot down. We see banthas dead after you know a camp has been destroyed. So really, really been feeling so sorry for these things. But now we're seeing Mando really taking care of his bantha. Uh, there's a lot of love. And again, he loves animals. He loves creatures, right? This is just his thing. He could have been like this the whole time. We don't know, right? I mean, who doesn't love an animal lover, right? So they're, they're camping out and all that, and then they see these flashbangs in the distance. And this is where we get a tie into The Mandalorian because... This is the time when he infamously finds Fennec Chang passed out, dying, and he goes and saves her. And, you know, obviously we didn't see any of this because we just saw like a post credit scene or an ending scene. I, I forget. I believe this was in season one. And the rumors and speculations was like, oh, my God, is this Boba Fett? Because we hear the jangling of his boots and all that kind of stuff like that. And it turns out that it was because we got to really find out in season two. Um, so he sees Fennec passed out. He decides, all right, I'm going to save her because this person could be a very valuable asset, right? So we see him Carter off onto the Bantha going into this little town. And this is the moment of this episode where as soon as it started playing out, I'm like, this is where the Internet's going to lose their shit again. Why? Because we got the mod crew. That's right. He takes her to a mod parlor, as he calls it or refers it to, because he decides that the only way we're going to ever be able to save her is if we inject some cybernetics in her. Or something, right? This is not something that is at all uh, new to Star Wars. Anytime someone's get injured, they always seem to replace them with machinery. We, we know Darth Vader's half machine. When Luke lost his hand, you know he got it replaced by a robotic, you know, hand. Um, even before when the hand was injured, I believe they had like robotic stuff in there what have you that's why luke wears that glove because he he wants to hide it so this is not something that's different within star wars all right but we never really saw a group or uh you know a gang that would purposely mod themselves to enhance certain things right so like i said before this is like cyberpunk if you ever played cyberpunk um the video game but this is cyberpunk tattooing a tattooing as uh, Tamar Morrison like said, Tatooine. This whole scene too, and I, I I love this guy right here, freaking Luna Lovegood's brother over here with his goggles. 
Um, but it shows you the extent of these mods that these people go through. But as soon as they walk in, it looks like a tattoo parlor. And then they got this crazy, crazy, like EDM like type music. It really felt like Matrix. It really felt like something like Matrix or Spy Kids, like, you know. And I'm like, oh man, the internet and Twitter is gonna be going nuts over this scene because it's just so. They're gonna. I, I know what they're saying. I haven't even seen it yet, but it's like, this is not Star Wars. This doesn't feel like Star Wars. Blah, 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 blah. You know, and it, I'll admit, it threw me off too. I'm like, wow, this is kind of funny. Right. But it is what it is. We see the guy, you know, you know, Bubba says, hey, you know, she's dying. I need your help. And, you know, he's trying to give him some shit, you know, appointments only and all that kind of stuff like that. Uh, or what are you doing here, old man? This is a place for young kids, whatever. Um, but then he pops up some credits and you're like, oh, you should have just said that from the beginning. And we see him, you know, with his own like robotic, you know, surgeon's tool and all that stuff like that going away, working at Fennec. And then that's when we know. Because she revealed it to us in in Mandalorian, pretty much her whole entire midsection is machine. But saved her, and the reason why they didn't cover it is because again, if you look at these modded dudes and girls, um, they like showing that stuff off. So even Boba was just like, "You're not gonna cover that thing," and he's like, "What? Cover this beautiful uh, sight?" that's before your eyes like it's a work of art right so he's like all right whatever so they go back to camp fennec wakes up she's stunned that she's still alive and then she sees herself and she's like what the hell now i do have to say one thing here boba took it upon himself to save her and to alter her without her permission now, I do have a problem with that because, you know, my body, my choice, right? What if she didn't want this to happen? What if she had an oath or she has a religious belief that she doesn't want any parts of her body altered in any way with any kind of cybernetics or robotics or machinery or all that kind of stuff like that? What if it's against her religion, her code or what have you? And he just took it upon himself to just do it anyway, right? understand his his intention all good but never got her in you know permission in the first place so how funny or how messed up would it have been if fennec was like you bastard this goes against my code now i have to kill myself pam and then that's it right i mean i understand you know my body my choice but it is what it is and after realizing where she was and what was happening to her, I think she felt a little grateful, right, to be alive. So she's like, all right, I assume you kept me alive because I'm probably worth more alive than dead, right? Um, but Boba's like, you know what? I think I can use your help because I need to get my ship from Jabba's palace and I'm just one dude. Even though I am kind of badass, I still need help. Um, and then he goes through this um, interesting uh, monologue that we hear him repeat over and over again in different um, scenes. He says the same thing in season two of The Mandalorian when he shows up. He's like, 
I was left for dead on the sons of Tatooine. You know, and all that stuff like that. Uh, I am Boba Fett. He loves telling people he's Boba Fett. He's really proud of that name. Um, but he has that same line. He's kind of like, you know when your parent tells you a story one week, and then the following week you hear that same story, and then a the month later you hear the same story again, and you're just kind of like, yeah, 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 my, I've heard this already before. You've told me this. He's kind of like that. You know, he's showing his age a little bit, uh, but it is what it is. So, you know, he's like, if you help me and I get my ship, then your debt's paid. You could go off and do whatever you want. Right. So she agrees and they go over to Jabba's palace and they do a little recon work, see what they're working with and all that stuff like that. You know, and he's like. I really don't know how many guards there are. So she's like, well, you know what? Let's take a look. And then she opens up the hilt of her rifle. And we already seen her, like, whip out knives and all that stuff like that. And now she has this little drone droid that can, you know, scout things out. What doesn't she have in this gun? It's like a Swiss Army gun. You know, it's like so much stuff in there. I mean, does she have a toothbrush in there? You know, is it is it like that gadget in Gremlins? You know, the the handy dandy whatever thingy. It's like it got the brush, the razor, the comb, the toothpaste, and, and the shaving cream. You know, is it like one of those things? Because I think that's pretty cool. I kind of want one now. Um, but she sends this like scout drone out and goes gets to go inside and it really does a good job at mapping the place out and you know sensing and seeing where all the guards are right. So as they're waiting for that to happen, Boba's full on confident. He's like, you know what? I'm going to get my ship back so I don't need my Bantha anymore. So he's like, girl, you've been so good. Again, this is such a sweet moment. I love seeing Boba with animals because he's so caring. He is like a little kid, right? And I'm sorry, people. He's soft. Woo, because he loves animals. Get out of here. Come on, you're telling me that if you had a dog, you wouldn't be like this with your dog or with your cat or with your turtle or tarantula, you know, your ferret. We all have soft spots for our animals if we have pets. And for him, this is his pet. And he's like, girl, you've been so good. I love the line. He's like, go meet other banthas. Make bantha babies because... You had a bunch of Bantas die already, so we need more of you. But I love like how he talks to this thing. So sends sends her off, and Fennec is like, "Wouldn't you want to wait until we actually get your ship to do that?" And he's like, "Well, wait for what? We're gonna get it, and then before you know it, I'll be going my way, you'll be going your way, and it's all gravy, right?" Gets the drone, the drone comes back, they get the lay of the land. And they're ready to go down to business, right? So they start to infiltrate. And they get to sneak in and all that. And I guess their best course of action is to go through the kitchen. And as we see the kitchen play out, you know, they got the, the cook droids and all that. And you have one droid chopping up the, the broccoli and the lettuce. I'm assuming that's what they have on tat Tatooine. You know, and the one guy's, you know, stirring the stew 
with some live animals in there. And then they hear a noise, right? And it's like, oh, is it a rat? Oh, we'll get the rat catcher, go catch and all that stuff like that. But and he's like, oh, I don't think it's rats. And then here comes Boba and Fennec. And they encounter this guy, the, the guy who's been chopping up the leads. And you can obviously tell the minute he went on the offensive that he's watched one too many General Grievous's TikTok videos because he is full on like General Grievous. And if you remember General Grievous in the prequels, you know, he had the multiple arms and he does that same thing. They both do the same thing. They start spinning their arms with their blades or their sabers. And it's like crazy propeller motions and all that kind of stuff like that. You know, he didn't know Fennec was going to sneak up behind him and chop his head off. And that's basically what happened. So it was all for show. But he definitely meant business, right? So they think they're in the clear. And guess who shows up? This little fucker right here. The rat catcher. Now, this scene was silly. This was really silly. Because this rat catcher, this little droid, just dared to catch rats. You know, but he walks into this thing. It's like, what, ha what just happened here? What's going on? And they see Boba and Fennec. And now it becomes this little cat and mouse chase. He's running all over the place. Boba can't catch up with him. You know, he, at one point, I think Boba even says, like, where'd you go? Where are you? It's so comedic. It's so, such like a kid's action movie. But it finally catches up with him. And I have no idea why Boba thinks it's important to grab the droid by the throat, pull, put him up against the wall. Mind you, he's this little tiny thing. He has no weapons. And he's like, do you know who I am? I'm Boba Fett. You think this little shit cares who you are? Apparently he didn't because all he did is like he just shut himself off. He was like, oh, there's my button. Poof. Smart guy. Right? So that happens. They're in the clear. And the reason why I say that Fennec, first of all, is not only a badass, but she plays the role of the voice of the audience. Because I'm pretty sure many of you watched this scene and was wondering what the fuck is happening here, right? And I love what she says when that is all said and done. She says, can we go now? And she rolls her eyes, you know, and then she says that, right? Because I'm pretty sure a lot of people were thinking the same exact thing. So it's as if they knew. And maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it's as if they knew that this was going to be something that a lot of people are going to be talking about, right? But whatever. It is what it is. So they see Slave 1, and they're off, and obviously people are hearing that they're there, so they have to fight off these guards and everything like that. It's this crazy, crazy battle to get the ship out. They can't get the gate open. It's such a tight space. Fennec is doing all the fighting, by the way, and she's holding on her own very well, shooting people left and right, while Boba's just trying to get this freaking ship out, right? And there's this one awesome moment where she's fighting one dude on the ship right in the, the rampway, and Boba's already telling her, she's like, I can't get the gate open, Boba. And she's like, well, I'm kind of busy right now. Very Star Wars-like dialogue. We've heard it all before. 
and she does this crazy flip where she flips over this guy and in midair turns around and lands correctly while she's able to like throw him off and she freaking jumps back into the ship readies her gun shoots this the weights that are holding the gate down like closed and then the gates wide open i mean love this character she is like the most current badass character in the star wars that we have today it's like her and mando you know i really really do hope she sticks around because i definitely want to see more fennec for sure because she is such a badass so they finally escape they get the freaking ship out and you know bob was like all right you help me with my ship so you're free to go where do you want me to drop you off and she's just basically like well where are you heading and it's like well i got some you know scores to settle she's like all right i'm a, i'm in for i'm a, i'm coming along for the ride why not cool and what's the first thing that we do <laughs> he sees these the biker the speed biker gang and he just starts picking them off it's like shooting womp rats in beggars canyon that's the first thing that came into my mind when i saw this because it was freaking hilarious they're just like speeding along on the dune sea and you see the ship just like slowly inching its way over and then also the famous blaster sounds from the ship and he's just picking them off left and right and he has this face like just like this determination of this rage and vengeance you know he's just like yeah getting these suckers and when that's all said and done he does this thing a lot with fennec where whenever he says something or you know he does something he always looks over to fennec for some sort of approval which is really really interesting and you know fennec for the most part approves so she always just nods back right and then they just carry on uh i, I always i found that very interesting and i i saw that a lot in this episode um and then thinking back i have seen it happen numerous times before so really really cool um also before this when they were having their little discussion on the ship uh he does says one thing that i really do like and basically he says that because he says like you know the ship is okay and she says well there's a lot of great mechanics on tatooine and he's like no you know what i'm gonna work on it on my own because there is an advantage in people thinking that you're dead and I think that rang really well with her too. And I think that's one of the reasons why she also decided to go along with him because people think she's dead. Obviously, everyone thought Boba was dead. So there is an advantage there because that means you could get away with a lot of things and you could kind of like do a lot of things sneakily in the background and all that stuff like that. So I think that's what intrigued Fennec also in wanting to stay along with something else that is revealed later on but anyway so the next thing that they decided to do after this he decides to go back to the sarlacc pit why because he thinks his armor is still there he doesn't remember anything that transpired with the jawas taking his armor away and all that stuff like that so he thinks the armor's still in there and i think this is one of the dumbest things he had he's he's done because he brings the ship basically at level with the mouth of the Sarlacc pit. 
And of course, something's going to happen. And it was even foreshadowed because, you know, Fennec's like, be careful. And then, of course, what happens? The tentacles come out. The mouth comes out. They're having this big struggle. He can't fire his blasters in there, you know. But again, Fennec to the rescue. She thinks of a way to do it. And she releases one of them seismic bombs. Goes into the mouth. Bang! We hear that lovely sound that I love so much. And basically destroys the creature. And... The funny thing that happens is like he says, next time, don't touch any of my buttons. Very classic Star Wars, right? But he dives in there like a fool. And, you know, Fennec is like trying to get him out. And he's like, there's nothing in there. Just a bunch of junk. No shit, idiot. It's not in there. Because you don't remember. And Fennec's like, look at you. You're burning. And, you know, she's pouring water on him because he has all this acid all over him. And I love what she says next because she says, you know, we need to get you a back to tank. Huh. And boy, did they, right? So he's like, all right, well, the armor's not on here, in here. And he got to figure out what to do. So decide to hang out. And they're camping out. And this is where they have uh, a great conversation. And this is where um, they he really reveals his motives and what he wants to do. Um, he kind of realized that, you know, living with the Tuscans, you know, as he was living with them and all that, made him realize that being alone is, is so weak. It's great when you're part of a tribe. You know, and he says something very uh, similar to that. Um, you know, he says to Fennec that don't you hate working for people who will more than likely get you dead? You know, making bad decisions, working on impulse, you know, without thinking about strategy and all that stuff like that. You know, like, why do we work with these people? Why do we work for these people? You know, we could we could do something on our own. You know, and this all spurns up by Fennec just basically asking, so are you really serious about starting a family? Like a crime family or a syndicate, whatever. You know, and he's like, yeah, and I want you to be a part of it. And she's like, ah, you know, I'm an independent contractor. You know, I like working a lot. I'll, I'll do jobs for you, but I love my freedom. And then he says the one thing that really intrigued her, and that's, he, he said, well, I can offer you one thing that you, no one else would. And that's loyalty. I will be loyal to you. You will have as many of the the shares of anything that I get. And I pledge to always look after you and to protect you. And I'm pretty sure Fennec has never heard, <coughs> excuse me, has never heard this ever. And you can't help but, you know, be intrigued by that. But as he was talking all that, and again, the reason why I say that she plays a really good voice of the audience is that she said the one thing that every one of you who are not liking this show has been saying. She says that staying with the Tuscans have made you soft. And his response was like, no, it made me stronger because I realized that there's you could only go so far without a tribe and i love that line and i get it now i get it 
he's tired of always working alone. Because what could happen? You could end up in a freaking Sarlacc pit. But if I was in a family and I wasn't working for these like morons like Vader and, and Jabba the Hutt, you know, we could do so much more things. So much better things, things that are more fulfilling or what have you. And he, you know, he's like, Fennec, I need brain and muscle and you're all that. So I offer all of this stuff for you. And it looks like that's what really got her to stick around. So I thought that was really, really cool. So then we they perceived like all the flashbacks of everything that we saw that happened in the Mandalorian. So, you know, going to Jabba's palace, killing Bib Fortuna, taking over the throne, all that kind of stuff like that. And we now get to see the back the tank again. It opens up. And one of the droids there is like, hey, congratulations. You're 100% healed. Hooray! So that means no more flashbacks, people. At least I, I think so, right? So this could mean that we're no longer getting more any more flashbacks, which I think is a good thing. And we're really going to be focusing on the current timeline story. And that's dealing with the Pikes and trying to get along with the crime families of uh, Tatooine. So he's asking, all right, any word from the mayor and all that kind of stuff like that? And I was like, well, you know, the freaking major domo dude is talking up a storm. You know, he's being, being very cooperative, but the mayor has still is still nowhere to be found. And he's like, all right, well, I'm going to walk, walk the streets, you know, still show my face around. And, you know, she's like, you sure you want to do that? Because war could start any moment and you're you're going to be a walking target there. He's like, look, I still got to show that I am this figure who gains respect and is willing to, you know, be mo- among the people and what have you. So we find ourselves back at the cantina, the lovely cantina. And who do we see sitting there? My boy BK. That's right. Black Sandston is back. He's hanging out, drinking some drinks. But he's not happy. Why? Because you got these Trandoshians playing these, this game and winning a lot and making a lot of money. And I guess he's just had enough of it. So what does he do? He stirs up some shit. He starts walloping on them, beating them, throwing them around, all that. And he picks one up, the last one standing. He picks him up, <clears throat> and it looks like that poor sucker is going to see his last freaking card game or whatever. And who shows up? <clears throat> I love her. Good old Jennifer Beals. The sexiest Twi'lek in all of Star Wars. Can we just take a moment? Every time she shows up on screen, it looks like she's walking on a red carpet for like a Vogue premiere or something like that i mean her outfits are like the best outfits in star wars for females and she's just a good looking person i mean she is stunning and she shows up and she's trying to calm calm bk down he's like look your reputation is huge you were this giant warrior 
everyone was cheering your name. Everyone knows about your your accomplishments and accolades and all that stuff like that. You are a champ. And we all know that. But times have changed. We're living in a more civilized time. So having to have to prove yourself as this giant warrior is not necessary anymore. You know? So put the dude down. And, you know, you've been drinking up a lot of stuff here and you got a huge tab. If you put him down and, you know, take it easy, I'll wipe the debt clean for you and all that stuff like that. So I thought that was a really, really sweet moment with uh, BK there. And I really, really love her speech. And by her giving this speech, it gives us an opportunity to really understand BK more, right? Um... And he does the one thing that I was hoping he was going to do. He looks at this poor fool. And he's like, F that. Brank. Rips his arm right out. And he does it right before he does it. It looks like he has this smirk on his face. And he's like, yeah, I like all you said. But you know what? I can pay for my, my own. I can pay for myself. So he rips this dude's arm off. Drops his credits and walks out. He sees Boba at the door. He's like, what's up, homie? I remember you let me go. Peace out. And Boba's just like, well, it was worth a try. And she's like, yeah, I did what I could. All right. Hey, Max, play it. So she confirms to us that this is indeed Max Rebo. I'm trying to see if I could get him more in the picture here. There he is. Max Rebo. How the fuck did he escape the barge? Not Chico and the barge or El de Barge, but Jabba's barge, sail barge. How did he get away? I think he is the one person on that ship that survived. I think there is a missed opportunity here. I think. We need a series for Max Rebo. We need to find out how he escaped that barge and how he found himself back in Tatooine, which looks like untouched, undamaged, and playing his keyboard again. What should we call it? You know, maybe we could call it the songbook of Max Rebo because he is a musician, right? But yeah, calls him Max. And I can't believe he survived. He really, really survived. I thought it was going to be like another creature from his race, but no. So that happens. Boba catches up with BK out front. You know, I say, hey, you know, I have a feeling that you might be looking for work. So I think I have a job for you. And BK's like, oh, really? All right, I'm down. So now he finally invites BK to be part of his crew, which is something he should have done in the beginning when the Huts let him go and just be like, we don't want him. Should be like, hey, BK, look, no hard feelings. Business is business. Why don't you just hang out with me? But he finally does it now. And he's part of his crew. So 
cuts forward to Jabba's palace, and now it looks like we're finally get a meeting of all the crime bosses. So everyone's at dinner, you know, and this is this is the Godfather. This is Sopranos right here. This is the meeting of the crime bosses, and this is Boba's chance now to meet everyone, get everyone in alignment and in agreement for everything. You know, Fennec starts off the meeting doing all the talking, you know, saying, the, the, giving them the reason why they're there. And, you know, we all uh, will prosper if we just listen to Boba Fett, right? So she really plays the role of, like, the consigliere, right? So very, very interesting. And, you know, Boba starts talking. And it's so Godfather that I don't know if you catched it or if you caught it. But he even does this chin rub just like Brando does in The Godfather. It it's if you it's so easy to miss, but I saw it and I thought it was freaking hilarious. It was really really funny. Um if you if you missed it, just go back and watch this scene and, and look at it. You know, he doesn't do it directly into the camera. He does it like while it's like his uh profile. Oh my god, it was hilarious. But he starts talking, you know, and basically, you know, he's like, you know, we got to get the families together. We got to work as a unit to fight off the pikes and all that stuff like that. And of course, a lot of the crime bosses are like, why should we believe you? Why should we listen to you? Why should we trust you? You know, why should you be the head? You know, why could what what's stopping us from taking you on and claiming the throne for ourselves? And that's when, boom, the rancor roars and bangs up on the his from his dungeon there. So everyone's like, oh, shoot. He's got a rancor. And Boba was just sitting the whole time. He was just like, this is why you guys can't mess with me because I got myself a rancor. And he, you know, feeds the rancor a bit there. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, he's just hungry and all that so everyone sits back down and he goes on you know and says it again you know we should really unite and all that um but everyone's like you know the pikes have something against you not us so why should we you know risk our necks to help you when we don't even have an issue with the pikes right now you know, we're, we're carrying on with our business and all that kind of stuff like that. And Boba's like, all right, fine. You don't want to help and unite? I'll do it myself. I got this. All I ask is that if the Pikes do come to you, that you remain neutral and don't take a side with them. That will help me out. And then once the Pikes are all cleared, then we can be one happy, you know, one happy family altogether. And they all agreed, right? So they all agree and all that. And we get to the end. They're watch you know, Fennec and Boba's watching each of the families leave. And Fennec is like, Well, do you trust them? And he's like, Well, you know, they're not dummies. You know, business is business, you know, and they're gonna look after for themselves. And the offer I just gave them is far better than any offer that the Pikes will give them. You know, but we need help. We need muscle. 
And Fanny's like, well, how much money you got? I was like, I got tons of money. It's just the muscle we need. And she's like, well, you know, money can help us get muscle. You just got to know where to look. And when she says that, you hear the music change and we hear something very familiar. It's the freaking music from The Mandalorian. So what does that mean? Could this mean that maybe they may ask Mando for help? Or maybe reach out to the other Mandalorians like Bo-Katan? You know, offer some of this money? You know, we, we all know Bo-Katan is trying to reclaim Mandalore. Maybe this money will help. Mando, we don't know what he's up to now that Grogu's gone. Maybe he needs some money or something to do. I don't know. They all work together, you know, at the end of season two of The Mandalorian. So you would think that they're all friendly, right? You know, I helped you. Maybe now you can help us with something real quick and we'll make it we'll make sure it's worth your while. Or am I missing some other group or faction there? Right. Who could they be asking for help? But it does feel like to me that there is definitely going to be a Mando tie in here. Just don't know to what extent. Or maybe I'm just talking on my ass. But that's the end of the episode. So that was it. Like I said, I love this episode. I really liked it a lot. And I think it's really setting things up now for the next two to really focus in on present time and see what's going to happen with the Pikes. Who are they going to get for help? How this is going to progress the Boba Fett storyline. And I think it's great. I enjoyed it. So, like I always say, it doesn't matter what I think. What matters most is what all of you think. So, tell me what you think about this episode. Tell me, uh, like I like I asked for in the very beginning, are you enjoying this series? Because I, it's amazing how many people are so split upon it. But I like it. I'm liking what I'm watching so far. Uh, and I hope you are too. So, thank you once again for tuning in and catching this episode of the Morning After Spoiler Podcast. Um, stay tuned because I will be doing this for episodes of The Peacemaker. So I know we got the first three episodes of The Peacemaker that dropped. So stay tuned to the channel for my thoughts on those three. And then I'll go into the latest episode that drops this week as well. Um, and next week, again, episode five. So stay tuned for that. That will go live on the Thursday morning after the episode drops. Um, if you're new, again, don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button. Don't forget to hit that notification bell, too. That really helps. Um, so at least you get to be notified whenever episodes drop. Uh, for audio listeners, um, again, check out uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can find these episodes up on there if you prefer listening to just the audio form. Um, make sure to download the episodes. And if you're prompted, leave an amazing rating there. So... Um, I will catch all of you guys next week. Stay cool, stay classy, stay safe. And I'll catch all of you guys next time. All right, y'all. Peace. Peace.